Hey everybody, welcome, welcome. This is the Real Estate 360 Show and my name is Jason O. Miles. My friends call me Miles, so please by all means call me Miles. And so today, Steve and I are going to do part two of what we did last week. And that was talking about, you know, what successful real estate investors do that unsuccessful real estate investors don't do. And we, all, we only had a, a list comprised of about 12, but it's really hard to get through all 12 at one time because they're so significant. I mean, I could do it, but I'd have to keep you on for an hour and a half, and I don't want to do that to you. So without further ado, let's get to the second part of this. Welcome. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Again, this is your man, Jason Miles, and this is Brother Steve Conley. How are you today, Steve? I am doing fantastic. As well you should be. Absolutely. Now, you know, last week we got through half of our list, and this week we're going to do the other half. And, uh, you know, we can talk about each one of these processes or, or whatever you want to call them kind of infinitely because it, it really is mindset stuff. It's about putting things in place and process wise, but it's the mindset that you have that you have to have to kind of propel you into who you're going to become. Uh, but first let me say this, Steve. I want to thank everybody that has been watching and subscribing and liking. I'm going to ask you now to please Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and that like button if you're watching this video, because I can see that approximately 70% of you are unsubscribed, but you're watching this. And since they're going to send you the content anyway, come on over, come on over to the light side, you know, and, 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 and hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell so we can make sure that we, um, that you can be notified when we have content that comes out every week. Okay, cool. So. Steve. Yes, I am here. <laughs> All right, man. So we have established that you are having a fantastic day. I am yes, as well, you know, and I want to get right into it. I just want to dig right into it. You know, what is it that successful real, real estate investors do that unsuccessful real estate investors don't? And, you know, we've, we've run a little test through our, our relationships and our social media, you know, people that we know that have had success in real estate and they've all come back with these, you know, these 12 things in common, you know, and, and all of them, all of them have, have said these things. Cause we didn't say, Hey, give us a list of your top 10. We just said, give us what you think is important. And a lot of them would give us multiple things because there's just, there's not just one thing that is important. And so this, this list of 12 that we've comprised isn't all of them, but it was common to all of them, if that, to all of the investors, if that makes sense, right? Of course. So we got through one, one through six. We talked in the last episode. If you didn't see it, you know, check it out right here. Here's a link to it right here. Uh, we talked about taking action. Uh, don't chase money. Uh, add value. We talked about progress not perfection. We talked about, you know, continuously moving, you know, keeping the momentum and being consistent with that. 
uh, we talked about what they said was don't let broke people offer you advice or education, meaning, you know, learn and take information from people that have done what it is you want to do. And we talked about never giving up. Don't quit. Don't ever give up because it's there for you if you really want it. And we're going to start today off with, with today. Our number one is technically our number seven, which is adapt to what's going on. And I don't think that that can be a more prevalent topic in the world that we're in today. In fact, that right there, adapt to what's going on, came, the answers there came from investors that have been through a cycle or two. Generally, it's come through investors that have gone through the uh, the the late 90s, early 2000 cycle, like 2001 when there was a little correction. And of course, the 2008 monster correction, you know, that no one wants to call a depression, <laughs> right? Yes. But the investors that answered that have lived through that, that, or that gave that answer have lived through that. And I have my interpretation of what that is. And I wanted to get your interpretation of what adapting to what's going on in the market is. Okay. Um, you know, you're, you're right on with the adaptation and the cycles. And, you know, I've been around and you've been around long enough to see the cycles when they come and go. Um, and it's really just making some slight adjustments here and there to, and recognizing what, where the new values and the new opportunities are showing up, hmm. uh, you know, and, and they were pretty predictable up until this latest one, which is, you know, I look around and talk to a lot of investors and we all say, never seen anything like this, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and some people do not know what to do with it. And, uh, but, um, and, and the reason they don't is because of the cycle that we're in, which is you know, high, high wholesale prices, high retail prices, but that, that space in between the gap is getting squeezed. And so a lot of the, a lot of our typical wholesale guys don't really know what to do with that, you know? Yeah. And, and then with all of the new processes out there, the new opportunities with Zillow buying houses and, and well, that's, uh, dead now. That, that's dead now. That's dead. Yeah, that's dead. I know that is, that's I got under the wire on that one. Thank you. You, you, but, you did great on that one, by the way. I mean, yeah, uh, but but you're right. But those two things that you talked about before that, coupled with the increased cost of uh, materials because of yeah. what's going on globally as well. That's right. I didn't even think about that. Thank you. Uh, but you know what? There is huge opportunity in this market. If you stop and step back, like, you know, Miles, you said you only saw one way to do real estate there for two and a half years. Yeah. Well, that's the mindset that a lot of investors are in right now and where they don't know what to do. But that there's some great opportunities still with the hedge funds that are buying and mm. the other big corporate buyers. And then the retail buyers, of course, are paying really strong retail numbers, really high prices. Hmm. So now you just, 
you find those resources that are buying and you step into that and not get focused in on one lane. And, you know, it's good to be in your lane, but every now and then, you know, you have to change lanes to pass and go, right. go a little faster than the guys next to you. That's right. And and even for me, when it, when, again, when I was doing it, meaning being stuck in one thing, I was stuck in the wholesale frame, right? I was looking for deals that fit into this, you know, unrealistic. Well, it was, it was realistic, but I was doing my numbers wrong. So, but the way I was doing my numbers was completely unrealistic and mm -hmm. I wasn't getting any deals. But even when I started to get deals, I was still in that lane. I was still in that, in that wholesale, 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 got to be this kind of way. And as I've stated before, I met some people, you being one of them, that helped me look at things a little bit differently. And I started to focus on what those things are. As we started to live through those um, short um, cycle corrections, you know, those two, three months where things might be slow for a little while inside of every, you know, boom time, there's generally a little bit, these little markers that we call corrections that where there's a pullback, you know, you see it in the stock market and all that. And there's just a little bit of a pullback. We're not in a, a down cycle. We're just in a little bit of a pullback and, and it's very short, but in those times, it got very difficult because if you can remember before the crash, you know, your values would go up and up and up. And then, oh, there's a, there's that little pullback and your values might come down five, you know, maybe five or 7%. And that was, you know, people being conservative in a, in a, in a correction, but inside that correction, if you're, you, if your numbers are structured in a, to a point where you're doing at the time, we're doing 65%. Let's just keep the number simple of a hundred thousand dollar house, 65,000. We need to be in that thing all in. Well, if the valuation is off, you know, by five or seven percent, now it's not worth a hundred today. It's worth ninety-five or ninety-three, and everything changes because we had banks at that time, especially towards the end of that bubble, if you will, that would systematically suppress prices, suppress values. It didn't matter if you wanted four hundred thousand for the house; they would say, "Well, we'll we'll give you three fifty, or go somewhere right. else." And that happened a lot towards the end of that cycle. So those are those are markers. Those are indicators that say, hey, something's going on in this market. We need to start looking at some other opportunities. And we're, we're looking at this market with the things that you've pointed out, Steve, which I think is fantastic because it's true. If home values are going up. Wholesale values are going up. The cost to renovate is going up. And the values are still going up, up, and up a little bit slower, but they're still rising. And people are like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Well, check it out. There are different opportunities for you in the market today. Everybody wants to, well, I won't say everybody, but there are a lot of people that want to wholesale, but the wholesale market has gotten really, really thin. I mean, there's almost no meat on the bone for, you know, what we used to call that daisy chain, meaning one person finds it, sells it, or, or contracts it to another person who contracts it to another person and so on and so forth. That's called the daisy chain. There's no room in there for that to occur anymore. In fact, there's so little room that even the person that finds that deal is inflating the price so that they can make whatever they see for themselves or whatever they want for themselves. And you know, that might not work for seasoned investors. So seasoned investors are looking for different things. So if you're wholesaling and you're looking at it from that perspective, 
you have to be able to switch gears. You know, maybe you start look at looking at developing a rental portfolio or, you know, just a portfolio of property owned. And what does that look like for you? Because uh, Steve, we know that that can be set up in a lot of different ways, right? You can, if you don't even have the money to buy, you can utilize partnerships and use their money to buy. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there are these uh, methods that you can utilize today called the Burr method, right? I mean, it's always been there. They just come up with these names and acronyms for things. But the Burr methods, if you haven't heard of it, stands for buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat, right? So it's four R's, a B and four R's. But the, financially, it has to be structured in a different way. We'll talk about that in another video. But inside that method there, you know, you can find investors that you can go and find property that needs to be fixed up, renovate it, refinance it, get some of your cash back out once it's rented and, re and refinanced, and then take that cash to go do another one. But there are other methods that you're going to be able to find as the market changes, which are people that are in trouble, that maybe they're they're behind uh, and they haven't been able to make this big balloon payment. You can take over properties like that. Or maybe it was a rental property and the people don't want to be landlords anymore because they've had such a difficult go of it. Or any scenario can come up where you can take this property over subject to and then rent that out. There's a whole process now today that they're calling real estate arbitrage, which, you know, arbitrage is what we do anyway. Arbitrage just means you're getting something below market value and selling it for you know, something more than, right? That's technically what arbitrage is. Uh, it's a term that comes from Wall Street. But now they're calling real estate arbitrage when you go out and you get these properties from, you know, landlords, uh, whether it's, you know, in a multifamily or single family, you know, homes or apartments, that kind of thing. And you're doing leases that allow you to then Airbnb them out. And they're calling that real estate arbitrage. And it's very little money to get in some of these things. I mean, and again, you can use OPM, other people's money. As long as you know that there are more options for you out there, you're always going to make money. I always make reference to the stock market. doesn't matter if the stock market is up or down or going up or down. People are making money. It's just a transfer of wealth. Where is it going? And if you educate yourself, you'll know exactly what angle you need to play at any given time based on the market indicators that are always right in front of you. That's right. And, you know, it's not a bad idea to start thinking a little bit ahead. You know, your teachers always said, why don't you read, you know, the chapter ahead before you get to the class? And I did that a few times and I said, wow, this is really interesting. I know exactly what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. So, apply that to the markets as they are right now. So where are the assets that I would think that might be of value in the very near future? Suppose we have a little downturn, the, the, the prices and the values start to go down instead of go up. Mm -hmm. They can't go up forever. So let's assume that that's going to happen, that they're going to start to come down. So that means that at some point, some people are going to be underwater with their houses. In other words, they're going to owe more than they can sell it for. 
and um, you know maybe they put two or three percent down, and the and the values go down five or six or ten percent. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, they can't re- list it and sell it because they're going to not only are they undervalued, they're going to have to pay a realtor, and they're going to end up out of pocket with a lot of cash. That's right. So that's going to leave a fantastic opportunity because you couple that with those low, low interest rates. And Miles, you sent me a, an article a couple of days ago that was talking about double digit uh, rent increases mm-hmm. year over year for the last several years. Yes. So, that, okay, we got super low interest rates. We've got super, super high rent rates. And we got people that are in the middle that might, you know, they're going to be showing up that cannot, you know, sell their house. They may be transferred. They may have good credit and all that, but they can't sell their house without coming out of pocket with a lot of money. And they may not want to do that or may not be able to do that. So here's a problem that we can come in and solve, take over the payments. They're not going to come out of pocket any money. We're going to end up with a house that's overvalued. But what's the value there it's going to be two two and a half three percent loan with a low payment that we can turn around and lease lease option do that uh very fancy lease option program that you have developed yep which is fantastic it brings everybody in makes everybody a winner yep and there's your that's thinking ahead and adapting to the to the market even before maybe it even shows up that's exactly right and so in conclusion to that you absolutely have to just be ready. If you're just doing one thing right now, whether it's wholesaling or fix and flips or you know rentals, whatever it is, make sure you're looking at something else. Make sure you're preparing yourself for uh, what's to come, okay? Because it's really important. Otherwise, you'll be sitting on the sidelines while everyone else is making money. Now, our next one, which is our eighth one, is self-awareness. It's self-awareness. Know what you do well. Most people do not do that. <laughs> they don't do that. Yeah, and and it's not only that. It's it's all it's also, and I appreciate that you it has to be what you do well. Mm-hmm. And typically, people do well at the things that they like to do. That's right. I'm not crazy about being a landlord, so. I don't really want to be one. And when it comes to the tenants, I'm really not very good. You know, I'm really good, though, at looking at the numbers and determining the value of the property and coming up with a cap rate and increasing the rents and doing the paperwork and structuring the deal and all the other things. But it's really helpful for me to have somebody that deals with tenants on a day to day basis. That's for sure. So that's just me. I mean, you you may not be the guy that wants to do the contracts, but you may want to be the guy that does the rental portion of it because you like dealing with tenants and you like doing that kind of thing. So you find somebody like me and you just match up. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm telling you, there's no reason that you should be spending time doing things that you're not good at. You know, you'll when when you're young and you have to develop certain things you have to get good at things you don't like to do you know you've got to get better at math so you can get the grades 
You know, I'm talking about things you don't like to do. You do those things because you have to. You know, I was in sports, but when I started playing basketball as a young, young man, I was horrible at it, but I really enjoyed it. So I put in the effort to become better, to practice day and night to become better because I loved it. Now, as we, you know, fast forward to today, we're older. Our time is more valuable, right? So we, we look at things differently. So since we know that's the case, you have to focus on the things that you do well and bring in people or systems, processes that, that handle the stuff that you don't do well. And that's it's still your responsibility as the business owner, but it's your responsibility to make sure these people or this process is running, running well. You know, there are people that are great deal makers. You know, they're great sellers. They're not good admin people, so they hire admin people. There are people that are great inventors, but they couldn't sell it to, sell, to, to save their life, so they hire salesmen to get that done for them because they want to focus on what they do best, period. You know, we've, we've all been guilty of this. You know, we get involved in a thing and we spend so much time doing that that it takes us away from what actually makes us the money, that, that is actually the money generator. I've been guilty of it. I've had conversations with Steve about that as well. I'm trying to develop and working on developing this thing over here, but this thing over here is falling to the wayside. How do we fix that? How do we keep two, three, four, five things juggling? And, you know, our answer was putting people and processes in place. And we did that a long time ago, you know, and there are so many different ways for you to do that. But it's extremely important for you to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. That self-awareness will take you very, very far. And and just to throw one more example out there, you know, I always talk about, you know, successful people like Russell Simmons was one. Russell Simmons was and is a music guy. If you don't know who he is, he started Def Jam Records. And in the beginning, young man doing everything, him and um, uh, his team, one other guy, you know, they came, Rick Rubin, and they, they started doing their thing, and it was just them. But their success forced them to do other things, which brought out a talent that I'm sure they never knew they had, which was identifying talent identifying and nurturing talent. They got really good at identifying and nurturing talent. And when they did that, their business went from very successful to extremely successful. So learn to identify talent so that you can focus on what you do best. Sorry, I yeah. couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> I know, Siri, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Our next one, Steve, number nine, is be a marketer. You know, that is so critical. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. No, please do. You know, um, I think marketing is the key to real estate investing. Of course, you need to know a little bit about real estate. You know, of course, that's the thing that you're going to be marketing. But still, it's going to be 80% marketing and 20% <clears throat> real estate. So if, if I were showing up in a town and I had $1,000 to spend, I've got a couple, you know, 
opportunities or options, if you will, of where I would spend that $1,000. I mean, that's the the $1,000 that I'm going to spend on real estate. I've got my whatever else I've got covered, you know? Hmm. So that's the thousand for real estate. Would I get go to a realtor and find a house and put a thousand dollars to earnest money down? Or would I spend that money on advertising and marketing looking for people's problems to solve? Hmm. So I kind of already did that. When I first got to Atlanta, I was uh, I was in partnership with another guy on a business and he sold that business and oh he forgot to tell me, you know, that he sold it and took the money and moved to Florida. So I said, wow, okay, I don't have an income and I guess I better do something. And uh, th that other business was not real estate. It was something else. So I said, well, I guess I'm back in real estate and that's okay. So I took, I took the first money I could get and I ran an ad. I didn't put it on real estate. I didn't do any of that. I ran an ad. That was basically a very basic ad that said, I buy houses, any area, any condition. I put it out there and I started answering the phone. And that's how I started the real estate business. You, when you understand what we understand about real estate, you don't really need any money to do real estate. And then you've heard it over and over again. And, and, you know, Miles and I have experienced it. We know for a fact that you do not need any money to buy and sell a house. That's right. You know, you can, you, but you do need money to market or, or you can come up with some really creative ways to do that very inexpensively. And that's what I did because I really didn't have a whole lot, but become a marketer, period. Yeah. Because again, that's what it is. To give you another example, Steve Jobs, you know, when Steve Jobs was young, yeah, he was a programmer and coder and all that great stuff. I'm not a super techie, but he was. But another talent came out of him, and that was the ability to market his wares, right? He marketed his products, and arguably one of the best to ever do it. I mean, this man took horrible products and made them globally famous. I mean, he had, I think, the best operating system available, but because of some of the bad dealings, uh, some of the personalities that got in the way along his road to success uh, in the in the early days, he didn't really get to get that software off like he wanted to, like he knew that it could be. So he created things that were subpar, but kept him in the limelight until he could have that opportunity back. And once he got that opportunity back, you we all saw Steve Jobs every time Apple came out with a new product. He wasn't. It was no longer called Macintosh, right? It was now called Apple, right? And that was what, 83, 84? But the Macintosh software is still there. And that is the foundation for everything. Anyway, but Steve Jobs was a marketer. He was a master, master marketer. And that's what, it's not the only thing. It's, it's one of the things that helped propel him to this otherworldly being that he ultimately became. And that's what you have to be. I mean, your business, no one is going to love your business like you love your business. So it's up to you to be able to deliver that message. It's up to you to make sure that you're putting the right people and processes in place that are going to keep your business full of opportunity. It's up to you. 
So you always have to be mindful of sales and marketing above all, not, I won't say above all this, but processes are very, very important, but it's above all else, being a marketer, which takes us to our next thing, Steve. It's, it's right in there. It's building teams and processes and not creating a job for yourself. Exactly. You know, if you have a team, then things get a lot simpler because, you know, you have to, uh, of course, realize that, yes, you could put together a flyer, you know, in five minutes. And sometimes it takes five or 10 minutes to explain to somebody how to put the flyer together. Mm -hmm. But once you do that, then hopefully you, you spend a minute sending them the flyer and let them put the flyer together. In other words, it's, so now your time is freed up because you've got a team doing some of the marketing. You've got a team doing some of the sourcing. You've got processes where the phone gets answered. Mm-hmm. Hey, when I spent my little bit of money on the marketing, guess who answered the phone? I did. That's right. And uh, guess who went and looked at the properties? I did. Guess who sold the properties? I did. <laughs> you know, so now uh, there are so much more uh, systems available with with uh, ways to market to buy and ways to market to sell. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple, really, to put a system together for both of those, which is you know marketing to buy, marketing to sell, uh, finding the houses in the middle, structuring the numbers, and, and now you've got your your teams and your processes all together. Fairly simple. Right. I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, you can attest to this. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, I didn't start this business to create a job for myself. You know, we start businesses to give us freedom, to give us the opportunity to spend more time with our families and enjoy life in general. You know, we don't do it to create jobs for ourselves. So once you, you know that you need these processes and you should know it from day one. Where, where you start isn't where you're going to finish, though, right? Just because you know today that you need these uh, teams and processes doesn't mean that you're going to go out and start hiring people. We teach people from day one to start developing their team, their team members. You know, the contractors, the lawyers, uh, the appraisers, the lenders, all these things and, and more. There's a lot more that you need as well. But those are part of people that are on your team when you're starting out. When you make money and you need to start implementing marketing strategies, then you can hire a marketing professional, you know, because there's a lot of ways. There's internet marketing, there's direct mail campaigns. You know, there's people that you can hire to do things for you on REI Rail and, and all of those things, If a prop stream, if you want to do that, right? There are ways for you to bring it, and you don't have to hire them per se as your, you know, actual employee. You know, these are people that you can hire, contract hire, meaning I want to hire you for this campaign. You know, and we're going to run this campaign for two weeks. Your virtual assistants that answer the phone, your appointment setters, all these are affordable. Once you have, you know, the once you start make you start making a little bit of money and you want to put, I mean, you can hire appointment setters for, you know, Depends on how aggressive you are, but, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week, you know? I mean, if you're really out there, you, you might want a, a two or three of them if you're working around the clock. But 
that's that's a story that we can talk about you know when you when you get there but you know building your teams making sure the processes are in place so that you can work the business and not work in the business i know you've heard the saying well, you've, the uh, you yes you mentioned uh rich dad poor dad earlier and uh you know kiyosaki talks about yeah. the cash flow quadrant yes and on the left side is a job and below that is self-employed which is a you just said it miles a job for yourself you know you create a job for yourself or you go buy a job like a franchise where you you get the opportunity to pay for a job so that doesn't sound too appealing to me but you're still on the left side of that that cash flow quadrant you don't want to be on the left side. You want to be on the right side of that cash flow quadrant. Yeah. So the right side says at the top of that is business owner. And the way to go in this business from the left side of that cash flow quadrant to the right side of that cash flow quadrant is to build the teams and the and add the processes in so that you have other people doing the day-to-day and you become the business owner because you want to be on the right side of that quadrant. And then as your cash flow continues, then you can also become an investor. And you you're still on the you're on the, the best part of the right side of the quadrant. You now you're totally passive with your money making money. That's right. And that's where that's the that's the goal. That's the objective is to be over here. So you're we talked about the, you talked about the vacation week. So you can go on that vacation week and not experience a lull in your cash flow. Your business isn't going to slow down. You're, you've got your teams and your processes doing what they do. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And you, you just got to focus on it. And even if you can't do it today, you put a plan in place so you can do it tomorrow. And you're not losing money by hiring people. You know, I hear that all the time. You're not losing money. You're gaining time. You're gaining time. Just to put it in perspective, let's say that you want to duplicate your efforts for whatever it is you're doing right now. Because you're saying, hey, I can't do it all, you know, and it's starting to overwhelm me. So I'm going to hire someone. So you say, okay, how much money do you make a year? I'm going to offer, you know, 40 or 50% of that to someone else to duplicate my efforts. So let's look at that for a second. If you're making $100,000 a year all by yourself and you hire someone and you pay them well and you pay them $50,000 a year, if they're duplicating your efforts, are you giving away 50% of your profit or are you making 50% more? Was that a question for me? Yeah, yeah. Or is that a rhetorical question? Well, it's a it's a question for the list the, the greater listening audience, <laughs> right? So if you hire someone to duplicate your efforts and they've done that and you make $150,000 or $100,000 a year and you're paying them half of what you make on your own to duplicate your efforts, did you make half the money you made? Are you going to make next year half the money you made last year or are you going to make 50% more money? 50% more. That's exactly right. Well, no, you're, you're still doing what you do. You just have more time. You've, you've brought someone in to duplicate your efforts that is now earning the company $100,000. Right. And you're still earning the company $100,000. Of course, we're not taking growth into consideration oh, here. Right. But, I see. Okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought they were taking over your whole job. 
well, I mean, and, and they could. They they could very well do that, but then you'd be burning them out, and you don't want to do that, right? No. But it's, right. it's giving you more time, and it's giving them, you know, they've got something to do. But if you were working 60, 70 hours a week in your business, and you, you mm -hmm. and I both know that that's possible, you know. Sure, yeah. And, and now you bring someone on to work a 40-hour work week, and you're putting a lot of stuff on them to duplicate the efforts, you can now go back to a 30 or a 40. You can scale back now because you've got someone. Your job now is to train them to do what you do or to, you know, to do what you do so that you can go and do what you do even better because you have more mm -hmm. time. Now you're making more money. Theoretically, that's how that's supposed to play out. So you put the processes and the people in place so that you can make more money. It's not costing you money. It's making you money, provided you're hiring the right people and you're giving them the correct training and you're implementing the right strategies and your and processes, systems. That's it. Simple as that. I mean, I, I'm simplifying it, but that's what it is. You know, that's what it is. That's, you know, we, we watch people that develop their own systems that they then turn around and make available to the market. PropStream was just like that. These are just guys. These are people that said, hey, here's our process. These are real estate investors that say, here's our process. Let's see if we can streamline it. They did that, made some deals, bought some, some APIs, packaged it up and licensed it to individuals around the world at this point to utilize. And now they make more money from that than they do off real estate. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is they, they saw what needed to happen and they, and they simply went out and made it happen, period. So, you know... Build your teams, put the processes in place. Do not create a job for yourself. Value your time because that's why you're here. Now, and our eleventh, our eleventh one is emulate and generate. But I and I changed that right. So I said emulate and implement. Right. So you emulate, meaning. You know, copy your mentors, you model your mentors. That's what they're there for. And you've heard the term modeling before. It doesn't mean walking the runway, not in business, right? It means you model success. You model success. You emulate success. And then you implement those processes so that you can generate the same results as whoever you're implementing or, or you're emulating, whoever you're modeling. So I think that is the best strategy to utilize. I have seen a lot of people out here doing all kinds of different things, trying to go at it their own way. Listen, real estate has been around for a long time. There's no new shiny object that's going to make it any better. The rules that govern this industry are older than America. Okay, These, these rules, these laws, these processes come from another land. All right. That, that's why the that's why our lawyers have royal titles. That's why you if you're a property owner, you have a royal title title, a lord. You're a landlord. You know, our attorneys are, you know, so and so esquire. You know, these are things that are a lot older than this country. These processes came from England, which is why you can pick this up. What we're teaching you here, you can do it in any Western world. If the processes are virtually the same. London, Canada, Australia, slight differences in Australia, 
slight differences in uh, South Africa, but you know any quote unquote modernized Western country, these processes are virtually the same. So here being here in America, uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter, you know what you learn and how you learn it. Just implement it and learn from the people that are successful. Period. Period. Would you like to add to that, kind sir? Well, I'm not sure what I could add to, add to that, except um, the only thing that I could add to that is when I'm looking at processes and emulating and I'm looking for something. So I might go to a seminar, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Still, go, I still go to these. Absolutely. And what's that? I said, absolutely. Without a doubt. I Hallelujah. Mean, you know, you, you that that's part of the the continued education period. Absolutely. You know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for that one thing. I, I'm not expecting to get a whole bunch of stuff out of a seminar. I'm looking for one thing that will really make a huge difference. That, that one little distinction, that thing that, uh, if I did that, then all of a sudden I will see coming across my desk, you know, 50 or a hundred percent more opportunities than say I had before I went and I, and I learned that thing because, you know, I've learned this is that we don't know what we don't know. That's right. And the only way to find that out is to learn a few more things and then, Oh, I didn't know that I didn't know that. Now I know I don't know that. So maybe I can learn that to help me in the business. Mm -hmm. And believe me, there is no end to the depth of the things that you can learn. So don't ever, you know, I would not ever suspect that I know everything because as soon as I do, then I know that I'm, I'm going to stumble. That's right. And, and, uh, and fall. Yeah, it's at that point that, you know, it's over. Once you stop learning, it's, it's a wrap. It's yeah. Done. You know, because that's, right. that's a conscious choice, you know, and we've all met those people that the know-it-alls, you know, you just, you just never know it all. You can be very fluent in whatever it is that you do, but you're never going to know it all because it's constantly evolving. And again, you know, not to throw a bunch of contrast on what I just said as it relates to, uh, these processes being hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years old, at least a thousand, um, there are always modifications, you know, but the process in general is the same. And it's those exactly. modifications that are going to help you implement your strategy smoother over and over and over again. So just stay learning and, and make sure that you're, you're, you're getting a good coach, a good mentor, you're implementing, um, you're uh, emulating that success. You're implementing those processes so that you can generate the same kind of success that they did, but specific to you. All right. So, and finally, our last one, the very last thing is now go and do it. Take action. You know, go do it now. Go find yourself a mentor. If you don't know where to look, you're listening to this. Here we are, right? Get yourself some education. If you don't know where to look, here we are. You know, go to realestate360pro.com and you can get started right there. 
Um, reach out to us, send us emails, subscribe to the things that we that we do, subscribe to the podcast, listen to it, download it, uh, get involved with uh, the YouTube channel, listen to what we, because there's more than just the podcast there. We have business principles and processes and, you know, just everything you need uh, to go and we're adding to it on a regular basis. But it's it, even if it isn't with us, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you get to it. You have to do exactly. it. You have to take action. And if, if we were to rephrase that, it would be just get started. Yeah. Just take, you know, take the first step and start doing it. It doesn't matter really what it is because, you know, it'll they'll, all the roads will lead you to where you want to go as long as you just get on one and, right. and start driving. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you, if you, if you don't get on one, you're, you're not going to get there. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. It's like what it's your saying, but we generated that meme. If you, uh, if you want to get hit by the money train, you got to get on the tracks, you know, yes, sir. <laughs> you've got to get, you've got to get in the way of success. You can't be on the yeah. fringe. You got to get in the way of it. You got to, you got to act with purpose. Just go do it. Do not worry about making mistakes because mistakes are a part of the learning process. It helps you be great later. Okay. You don't want to make them, which is why you have coaches, trainers, and education. But they're going to happen as long as they're small, you know, and they're not just these mountains, you know, insurmountable tasks. You can do this. Anyone can do this. You just simply just have to want it and then you can will it into existence. Truly, you have to believe you're there before you get there. You're already a success. And if you believe that you're already a success, it will come if you put in the work. I've talked about it over and over. Steve talks about it over and over. If you don't believe it, it'll never be. If it's yes, if yes. it's a what if to you when you go to sleep at night, if it's a maybe to you when you wake up, if it's a I don't know while you're moving through your day, you're not going to get there. You have to be decisive. You have to make definitive choices. Take action. Do it now and do a little bit every day that pushes you towards your goal because that's the only way you're going to make it. To, to take a few of these things and put them together is uh, you have to believe in yourself. You talked you talk a little bit about self-awareness. You have to be aware of your own personal self-image because that's going to project out into the world and reflect back to you. So you have to be confident in what you're doing. Do the best you can at that confidence. Take the action. You'll have the power. Go do it now. And listen and watch as the things show up because whatever you focus on gets bigger. So if you focus on success and you focus on your lifestyle and the money flowing to you, it'll get bigger. Every time, guys. Every time. So in closing, I want to say thank you, Steve. As always, uh, I enjoy our discussions. I think these things are so vitally important to share with people. Mm -hmm. You know, the processes, the mindset more than anything. Uh, it's just so vitally important. And to the listeners and the viewers, I want to say thank you again for taking the time to, you know, listen to what we have to say. And hopefully what we're saying is something that you can emulate into your business and into your personal life to help propel you forward. And as I like to say, listen, you know, the things that we're teaching are truly 
you know, legacy building actions, but it's the thought process. It's your mind, the way you think, the way you put things together that you're going to share with your children and your friends and family that hopefully they'll share with their children and their friends and family. That is truly the legacy. Your thought process is more important than the money that you earn because the thought process being so significant is what gives you the, the meaning and the purpose in life that is going to take you to wherever, wherever it is you're going to go. And the money is truly just a byproduct. So again, guys, thank you so very much. And please, if you're listening to this on whatever platform that you like to listen to your podcast, subscribe, make sure you stick around, download some more, listen to us and, and engage. If you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, share, engage. We like it when you do it and it helps the algorithm. So until next week, guys, thank you. This has been part two of things that successful real estate investors do that unsuccessful ones don't. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day.